Hey, it's McGann, your friendly neighborhood fangirl, and I'm back with some more Coraline movie theories. I actually just read the Coraline graphic novel, and then I decided to rewatch the movie again to see if it helped me kind of pick anything else out. And I actually do have some more notes that either confirm or deny theories that I've put out there. Now, first, I do want to make a note. I believe it was in my Coraline theory part one that I mentioned that YB has to be in on Coraline getting to the other world because he had to have left the doll on her porch before they ever met. Well, apparently I was taking notes during that scene, and even though Coraline seems to go home very quickly after it starts raining, she actually refers to the start of the rain being yesterday. So assuming she means she also met YB yesterday, that would mean that it doesn't have to be that YB left the doll on her front porch before they met, but it is a possibility still. It's just a little less likely than my original observation. And now with Miss Spink and Miss Forcible, I noticed that this time around watching the movie, there's actually a fourth candy dish that is presented to Coraline, I believe in their first meeting, that she ends up flicking up on the roof and then it falls down and crashes and breaks everywhere. And that would actually account for a candy jar for the year 2009 when Coraline's family moved into the apartments. So that could be why when they show the candy jars with the dates on them that 2009 is not a part of that. It would also be a neat kind of symbolism because since that candy dish was broken inadvertently by Coraline, it's sort of like she is breaking the cycle, or at least so we believe. I also managed to grab some screen caps that do prove that Miss Spink and Miss Forcible were burlesquers back in the day. Burlesquers? Burlesque ladies? I, I don't know the official term, it's too antiquated now. But you can see in these posters of Julius sees her and King Lear that it's not spelled in the way that would be the normal Shakespearean plays. Although in the graphic novel, they do seem to represent those ladies as being actual trained Shakespearean actors, but that is not at all what is going on in the movie. Now, I believe it was my Coraline Theory Part 2 where I speculate that the Pink Palace becomes a limbo kind of place for the residents and they never leave. And that's in part what the years stand for. It's when they moved in, starting with Miss Spink and Miss Forcible, because they would have the first date, being that they wouldn't know anything that happened before they got there. And then the date for when Mr. Bobinski moves in, and then 1960 for when Mrs. Lovett moves in. Actually, I've been saying Lovett. I found out it is Lovat. I've been putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable this whole time. Sorry. But if you look at the mise-en-scene surrounding the candy dishes, and if you have not had all the film classes that I've had, mise-en-scene is just a French word meaning the stuff in the scene that tells you about the character without actually saying, hey look, there's a giraffe, they must like giraffes, or stuff like that. And in the mise-en-scene around the candy dishes, the cabinet that the candy dishes come out of have two headless girls on them. It's a little trunk and you can see in the picture the girls on it are headless. And sure, if you closed it, I'm sure they would look like normal headed women. But I'm going to tell you about the Polly Peachum phenomenon that I kind of coined that phrase. Uh, many years ago I was watching an old movie in a class and there's a moment where the scarf catches and it just for a moment it looks like it's strangling that character like almost like a noose. And the professor made a big deal about it and said they shot this scene many, 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 many times. They spent millions of dollars on this movie, even back in the 1930s, I believe it was. So why is it that Polly Peachum's scarf caught on that rope and was shown to look like a noose ever so briefly? It was because it was showing symbolism that she was in trouble. 
And so I always use the phrase the Polly Peachum phenomenon to explain that there are no accidents in these films and especially in animation where you have to make everything meticulously and put it into the scene. They didn't accidentally make headless women on that trunk. So these are just some more tidbits that confirm my theory that the Pink Palace is actually a limbo zone and once you go into the other world you only think you're coming back to the real world. Now in the graphic novel they also have a different kind of emphasis towards the snow globe and, and her parents being in it and there's also a moment where she is going in between the other world and the real world and it shows her parents as souls just like the three ghost children around them in the same room at the same time. And funny enough in both the graphic novel and the movie, it symbolizes the souls being set free by the objects that they're contained in being broken. So after Coraline talks to the ghosts and they say everything's good for them now, but she needs to worry, she looks under her pillow and all the little objects that held their souls, that held their eyes were smashed. Not to mention, it's very interesting that in the graphic novel, when Coraline gets back to the real world, all that happens to the snow globe is that the two figures disappear out of the middle of it, whereas in the movie it's shattered. Yet her parents came back through the door, so how could that be that it implies that their souls were released and yet they're still alive and in physical bodies? It boils down to three realistic possibilities of what could have happened here. Either one, the Jones family is all safe and they're in the real world, Two, my theory about the Pink Palace Limbo Zone is correct, and once you enter the other world, you never actually get back to the real world. You only think you're there, but you're really either dead or you're trapped or something of that nature. Or a third possibility is my theory about the Bell Dam having taken over or replacing Coraline's mother. And in that scenario, Coraline thinks she's with her real family, but it's really the other mother in the Pink Palace Limbo again. And this is backed up even further if you look at the fact that the other mother can produce human eyes, and this helps to prove several theories that I've put out there. Now on Coraline's third or maybe fourth trip back to the other world, where she's going through the tunnel with the cat and she's very determined and she's holding her candle and it blows out on her, then the door opens to the side of the other world and she sees her mom and her mom clearly has normal human eyes and she rushes down the tunnel and goes to hug her mom and then the mom morphs into the bell dam and even her eyes are shown again as being normal and morphing into button eyes which means that the bell dam is using the button eyes just to scare Coraline. It's a distraction, it's not real, it's not something that needs to be. It's something that scares her when she's in the other world so that she thinks she knows when she's in the real world when she's still in the trap. We also see a moment earlier in the film where Coraline's talking to the other mother and then turns around to go upstairs and the other mother's in front of her already. It's like regardless of time and space, she was able to move that quickly. And judging by how her hand gets into the real world, quote, real world, we can assume that the entirety of the Bell Dam can survive in the real world. So all of those things combined support another one of my theories that the Bell Dam possessed or took over or replaced Coraline's mother very early on in the movie, and that's why she's so nasty and snippy because it's to push Coraline into the other world and then when she comes back and she's in the limbo pink palace zone she thinks she's in reality but she's not. And then the other mother can kind of drain her life force and her magical perception of herself without having to really do anything extra because Coraline believes she's safe so she'll never try to escape again. 
And the fact that the other mother can create real eyes for herself implies that she should be able to create them for all the other beings around her that she makes. So having button eyes is completely optional. In which case my theory about the cat and the cat being the Bell Dam's familiar is very plausible because having regular eyes is another thing that would make you feel very secure around the cat and very confident that you're in the real world when the cat's around and cannot speak anymore. Well, the cat could not be speaking by choice. And then it's all an elaborate ruse to keep you trapped in the limbo pink palace that's really part of the other world. And another thought to this, if the Bell Dam can have real eyes and then morph into button eyes, what about when she has no eyes and the cat scratches them out? Can she still see at that point? And if she can, is she just playing cat and mouse with Coraline when she makes that big spider web appear? Because she's trying to scare Coraline into the fake Limbo Pink Palace world so that Coraline feels safe and secure and never questions it or tries to leave again. I mean, notice how Coraline never looks inside the rock with the hole in it again after she's in supposedly the real world at the end of the film. But since Coraline never looks through the talisman again, we're never really going to know where she ends up at the end of the film. We can only speculate. So what do you think? Does she need the eyes? And do all of my other clues and theories make sense? It seems like I'm getting more evidence to support them every day. So I appreciate all the comments, the likes, the shares, and all that. Keep it going. It's keeping me motivated to keep looking for more stuff. Thanks for watching.